Yeah, speaking of sharing, we're going to be talking about the generosity of God, so thanks for that transition. Yeah, amen. Praise God. See, God was so generous, he provided a transition. Look at that. Yeah, that was smooth. Right? Yeah, anyway. So uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to be in verse 1. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, uh, it'll be on the screen. And if you have your Gideon Bible... Open up to page nine. Page nine. There you are. What? Oh, dang it. I thought I was wrong for a minute there. No. See, you won't, you won't believe how many people came up to me at Summit and were like, we'll take the Gideon Bible joke every week if you don't make jokes like these people. So you're welcome. I'm doing you a service. All right? Now, nah, um... Hey, before we dive into that, I want to tell you um, about some of the most generous people that I know in my life, okay? And uh, it is my buddy, Michael Jackson. No, not the king of pop, the short, fat, white guy that was my roommate in college, right? Look, you're going to meet him one day. Like, he's going to come in town one day, and I'm going to be like, this is Michael Jackson, and I'm going to say short, fat, white guy, and you're going to be like, no, that's apt. That's perfect. That's who he is, short, fat, white dude, right? So my best friend, Michael, right? And uh, we were friends in junior high, and then we ended up going to college together, and we were just buds, man. And so uh, I, uh, at one point, had this sweet, sweet car. It was a Jeep Cherokee, okay? And it was white, and I had cow pattern, dairy cow pattern seat covers on it. You know what I'm talking about? And, like, I had a flame, like, a steering wheel cover with flames, and I had fuzzy dice, and it was the coolest car ever. My favorite part of that car is that the ignition switch was broken, so to start it, you had to, like, jump it by making contact with two points on the starter. So I would reach my hand inside the engine with a screwdriver, and then zap it, and then the engine would start, and you just don't wear loose clothing, and you'll be fine. Stay away from the timing belt. It's, it's fine, you know? One time I did that, and I didn't have the car in park, and it was in drive, and I almost ran over myself, but uh, it's fine. I'm alive. Everything's fine. It's fine, right? So anyway, believe it or not, that car had to go to the mechanic, okay? I know you're shocked. You're shocked, but Bessie, she had to go to the mechanic, right? And then I go, and I work for the summer at the summer camp, this amazing summer camp where the Lord moved, but you know who else moved? That mechanic. He closed down shop and took my car. Like, and I couldn't get it back. Like, it was just gone. I go to the police. I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, I don't know. Have fun. And I'm like, you guys are jerks, right? So I didn't have a car, right? I didn't have a car, and I'm using the old, like, Zapato mobile. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and like, and then Michael's family finds out, right? At this point, Michael and I are, we're, we're roommates, you know, but Michael's family finds out, and Michael's dad, Greg, and his, his mom, Joy, they, they sit down. Greg and Joy sit down with me, and they're like, hey, we're buying a new car, and the trade-in value on our car isn't that high, and we just want to give it to you because we want to bless you. Right? Have, have you ever been given a car before? Like, oh, dude, it's like legit, right? And so I'm pumped. I'm like, sweet, I'm getting a car. What is it? Okay, it was this car. I'm 21 years old at this point. I'm not married with kids. Nah, I'm 21 years old, and I'm rocking a 1999 Chevy Venture. And it was white, and it had doors on both sides, and it was awesome, right? I took out a middle seat and put in a beanbag, and it didn't, that's like stupid, actually, because when, what you don't think about is when you turn corners, the beanbag just rolls, and you slide until, you know, one of my friends got a concussion. It was fine. But it, 
Anyway, I named that car The Fast, right? That car's name was The Fast because you look at it and you think, that thing is fast, right? (laughs) It's The Fast. It's beautiful, right? So this machine, they gave it to me for, there was one condition, right? On the back of this car, there was a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker said, Republican women make great leaders. You're following one now. So Greg's only stipulation on me getting this car, right, is that I leave that bumper sticker on there, right? So the entire time that I had that car, I I had that bumper sticker on there. And uh, actually, I was talking to my friend Michael today, uh, because we talk pretty often, and he reminded me that there was another bumper sticker that I left on the car that said, uh, my money and my kid goes to Sam Houston State, right? And he's like, do you remember taking an X-Acto knife and like cutting off the kid part? So it just said, my money goes to Sam Houston State? (laughs) I was like, no, but that's totally what I did. Like, I, yeah. So anyway, the fast, right? That was like my awesome car. And that's like my generosity story. But like Greg, Greg and Joy, they didn't stop there. Another year, I didn't have enough money for school and they paid for a whole semester of my school, right? I was like, uh, guys, I'm, I'm probably never going to pay you back. And they're like, we know, it's okay. You know, they were just, they're two of the most giving and generous people. Like I literally would not have finished school if it weren't for Greg and Joy Jackson, Right? So make fun of them all you want about naming their kid Michael, you know, but they're fantastic people. I love them, right? So that was, that's the fast right there, you know? And, and so, uh, dude, I can't tell you how many times I got pulled over in that because cops see like young dude driving minivan. They think like he's probably got a child like duct taped in the back or something. <laughs> like it only could have been worse if I had written free candy on the side, you know? <laughs> I got pulled over all the time. I'm like, I'm not running drugs. I'm just trying to go to work anyway. But yeah, so generosity is amazing, right? And that's like, that's my biggest, I think that's the biggest thing anybody's ever done for me is give me a car or, or maybe when they paid for school, who knows, right? It's hard to tell, right? And so I wanted to talk about generosity tonight because God is generous, right? And so we're going to discuss that. Before we move on, let's, let's actually read the Bible because that's, Something that Christians should be doing, amen, right? All right, so Genesis chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, will you speak to us tonight? Lord, will you help us understand this part of your character, Lord? Lord, this essential nature of who you are, Lord. Lord, we ask that you come and speak to us. You join us, Lord, and and just pour out your spirit upon us, Lord. We're just desperate for your presence tonight. Amen. So, generosity, right? Like, uh, we're all kind of familiar with this concept, You know, like it's kind of a big deal, like there's people wearing dresses that say, you know, tax the rich because they're not being generous enough, all that stuff, you know? So generosity is like a big deal. And and in human history, it's always been a big deal, right? So loosely, we we tend to think that generosity is when you help someone in need. You know what I mean? 
Like that, that's kind of like a, a basic kind of concept of generosity when you help someone in need. But, but there's actually kind of levels to this. Have you thought about that? Like there's, there's different varying degrees of generosity, right? So if Greg and Joy Jackson give me a minivan, an old minivan when I'm in college, that's generous. You know what I mean? But if Elon Musk gives me a 99 Chevy Venture, right, when I'm in college and need help, that's not generous. Does that make sense? You know, if Jeff Bezos is like, here's a Pinto, have fun driving it, it might explode. Like, that's, we would be like, you're stingy, dude, what are you doing, right? Right? Because from like a spending point of view, right, proportionally, like for Bezos and Musk, giving like a million bucks is about the same as us giving a million, uh, like one dollar, right? Does that make sense? Um, and it, you kind of work out, you can work out the numbers. If Jeff Bezos gives away $200 million, it's about the same as a minimum wage worker giving away $65, right? So like sometimes you read headlines, it's like, Bezos gives $50 million to this cause. And you're like, that's awesome, but proportionally, that's like nothing to him. You know, it's like 20 bucks. Can you imagine that? Like, 20 bucks is like 20 million, anyway. Um, so we would like look at their gifts, right? And if they were to give what would be generous for me, we wouldn't call them generous. Does that make sense? Because they're capable of giving so much more. So in order to be considered generous, we generally mean that someone gives their best or gives in a way that costs them something. Does that make sense? So like if a friend of mine like needs clothes, you know, and I go to my laundry basket and dig out an old pair of sweaty socks from the trash or whatever, you know, and they've got like holes in the toes and I'm like, here you go. Here's some clothes. Was I generous? Uh, uh, not really, no. You know, like, if I were to give him 100 bucks to go and buy some clothes, then yeah, that's generosity, right? And I'd encourage them not to go to Target because that would get you, like, you know, a pair of pants. How do I know this? I'm married. Um, every time my wife's like, I went to Target. I'm like, we're broke. Anyway, um, I went to the dollar bin and you bought a thousand things. You know, if, if a friend comes to you and is like, hey, I'm hungry, right? And you're like, oh, awesome. I have this old tuna salad sandwich in my car. It's been there for like three weeks and it's been over 100 degrees the whole time. I can give that to you. Is that generosity? No, no, it's not, right? That's how you put them in the hospital, you know? But if you were to invite them to your house and cook them a dinner, that's generous, Right? So the concept of generosity requires a, a degree of sacrifice. You either give your best or you give in a way that it costs you something. Does that make sense? Yeah. But we also know that generosity is not freely and abundantly giving either. Right? Right? Yeah, okay. I, I didn't feel like anybody was agreeing with me. That's... <laughs> I have a microphone. You're supposed to do what I say. Right? We know this because we, we've all heard stories, or maybe, maybe you are a story, or maybe you've seen it happen to your friends of people who, through their generosity, just become enablers. You know, the, the parent that constantly bails out their kid, you know, out of money trouble or jail, you know? 
Or that friend that keeps on loaning the other friend money because they need it for rent, but you know they're really spending it on stupid things? I mean, sure, that person is being generous, but we wouldn't call that generosity. That's enabling, right? The number one thing I think of, like when I'm trying to conceptualize enabling, right, this, this part of generosity that isn't alone just giving, right, the, is I think of the character from the movie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Veruca Salt. You remember this girl? Like, when I watch this movie, sometimes I'm like, I swear if my child ever acts like this, I will choke them, you know? And you would too, right? Like, remember, remember in the movie, right, her, her, she's like, her father's like trying to get her the golden ticket, right? And so he has his entire workforce like just opening candy bars, right? He's like generously giving the fruit of his labor in, in his business and his work, right? And he's devoting time of his workers and his company, and they find the golden ticket, right? And in the movie, he walks over and hands it to her, and she just takes it and goes, Daddy, I want a pony, and then walks off. You know what I'm talking about? She doesn't even say thank you, like nothing. Just like, Daddy, I want a pony, you know? Like, holy smokes, if I ever did something like that to my parents, you know what they would be generous with? The chancla, you know what I mean? <laughs> They'd be generous with the back of, my, back of their hand, you know? Like, man, sure, you got a golden ticket, but you know what else I got a lot of? Whooping. You know what I'm saying? So generosity cannot only be giving abundantly and without reservation. Generosity is also giving wisely in places where it creates good and does not do harm. Generosity is also giving wisely in places where it creates good and does not do harm. So people like, like Veruca, this character, are, are like the Dead Sea. Have you heard of the Dead Sea before? And it's in, the, it's in like over the border of Israel and the Jordan. And the sea is so salty that you can float in it. Right? And the reason why it's salty is because water flows into it but not out. And as the water evaporates, the salt stays and it becomes saltier and saltier. And ultimately becomes inhospitable for life. So God is no fool, and he doesn't want to walk around creating a bunch of dead seas, right? So he knows how to give what is best for you, and he knows when to give what is best for you. And this is the generosity of God. Does that make sense? And here's the beauty of it. It's like all of these attributes of God, all these things that we're talking about God's character, I don't know if you've picked up on the theme this semester, right? Is, is they play together. They interact with one another. And my favorite part about the generosity of God is that it means that he's generous with his attributes. It means that he gives abundantly and without reservation in places in our lives where it will do good and not harm he, he gives his love, and he doesn't hold back. He makes us holy. He's generous with his friendship. He gives us justice and mercy. And like Madison talked about last week, he generously gives us meaning and purpose in our lives. Isn't that amazing? It's not 
that he loves you. It's that he generously loves you. It's not that he gives you purpose. It's that it's a glorious and amazing purpose. It's not that he makes you holy. It makes you really holy. Does that make sense? See, he's, he's the source of all that we have. That's his generosity. Everything you have comes from him. I mean, think about the other ways that he's generous. Just like we can set aside the Bible for a moment and just observe nature and we can see his generosity. We live in this zone orbiting our sun called the Goldilocks zone, right? It's neither too hot nor too cold. And because of this, it allows life to be like amazingly abundant. And there's all these variations of life because of that. It's not enough that life exists, but life exists abundantly. It's not enough that we exist, but also we can go and laugh at giraffes and how ridiculous they look. Have you ever seen a giraffe faint? It's hilarious. Sorry, I don't know where that one came from, (laughs) but it's true, right? And think of the variations of climate on the earth. It's not enough that, like, all of the earth could be the climate of San Angelo, Texas. But it's not. He's generous and abundant. And if you want to chill out, you can go to, like, the friggin' mountains in Colorado. Right? If you want to warm up, you can go to the beach at South Padre Island. If you love the forest, you can go there. If you love the plains, you can go there. He's generous with the landscapes. He's generous with the climates. Right? Or, or we can even move beyond Earth, right? Our, our planet orbits a galactic center of the Milky Way, right? But we occupy this, this kind of space in between these two main spiral arms in the Milky Way galaxy, right? And we're really in this boring neighborhood of the Milky Way. Not much happens out here. But let's say that you were curious about what the rest of the universe looks like. You could almost not pick a better spot to be in the universe to observe the rest of the universe. Did you know that? So he gives abundantly of the starlight to us. We're in a place where we can see more of the stars in the sky than we could almost anywhere else in our galaxy. Is that, does that freak anyone else out? Right? So not only is he generous with the beauty of the night sky, but also it puts us in a prime position to observe and learn about the night sky. And if you're a nerd like me, that's a huge deal. There's almost not a bad spot in the sky to point our telescopes and learn. He's abundantly giving and generous with knowledge of the inner workings of the universe. He's generous in his consistency. Like, have you thought about this? We live in a universe where the laws of physics are constant and don't change. Have you ever considered that it doesn't have to be that way? Like, could you imagine if gravity just randomly flipped, right? We're accelerating right now at 9.8 meters per second squared or 32 feet a second squared, right? What if it flipped and then we start going that way at 32 feet a second squared, right? What would life be like? Our cars wouldn't drive along the road. They'd drag themselves along the ground because if gravity flips, we don't want to go flying off into space, right? Or what if you get up a little bit and then gravity flips back? What do you do, right? So then we, we're all walking around with parachutes on, 
right? You don't sit in class. You strap yourself into class and bolt your desk to the ground, right? God is generous with these consistent laws. You've never once gotten out of bed in the morning and thought, God, I hope my feet hit the ground. You know what I mean? Could you imagine your whole life is living like in that feeling when you miss the last stair, step on stairs? You know what I'm talking about? That's what life would be like without gravity being consistent. Your whole life would be like, oh God! You've all, you, we've all done that, right? You literally think you're going to die. Every one of us. I'm never going to stop falling. That's what goes through your mind. And then you hit like half a second later. You're like, oh, it's just the floor. Never mind. I'm stupid, Right? But we can wake up every morning and expect the sun to rise in the east and to set in the west much the same way it has since the dawn of time. Isn't that amazing? It, you, you, like, it's only when you pause and consider, like, it doesn't actually have to be like that. It's because of his generosity that it is. Or how about this one? We live on a planet that can provide enough for almost 8 billion people to live. By the close of 2022, they think that we will break 8 billion people on this planet. And the earth provides enough that every single person can eat. And I know some of you are thinking right now, but there's starving people in the world, right? And there is. But here's a fun fact for you. This might enrage you. Who knows? Did you know that the United States alone produces enough food to feed every man, woman, and child on the planet? Just our country alone. See, God doesn't have a production problem. He's generously giving. He has a distribution problem. We're all a bunch of a-holes. And we're not, we're not sharing. We're all like the Dead Sea. And we're making this planet more and more inhospitable. Right? God's generosity is such an amazing thing that the Bible actually has a special word for it. Blessing. Blessing. Right? Now, <clears throat> if you're like me, and you've been in this church world for a little bit, the word blessing might be a bit of a trigger word for you. I mean, it is for me. You know, there's certain preachers that like to smile on TV and just be like, the Lord's gonna bless you. You know? And I'm like, I got a speeding ticket on my way to church. Liar. Say it to his face too. Right? So like, if, if we can just for a moment disassociate the word blessing with maybe some of the context that we've heard it in, you know? But what blessing really is, is just God's generosity. And this is, through this lens, we can really understand what it means for God to be generous to us. And what God intends our actions to our fellow man to be. The first time that we see the word blessing is in the creation narrative of Genesis chapter 1. Right? And, I mean, like, we, we won't get into the whole Genesis stuff, right? We can talk later about that. But all, all that's important right here is that you know that the first time the word is used is right here in chapter 1, verse 22. And if you're tracking with the whole story there, this is day 5. This is the fifth day of creation. So God is creating the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea. And he says this. It says, God blessed them and said, 
Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And then he says it again, like just six verses later, after he creates man. He says, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So there's God's blessing. His blessing and his generosity is tied to these ideas of being fruitful and increasing in number. And in the case of humanity, confusingly, it's tied to the ideas of ruling and subduing the earth. What? You know, where's the record scratch noise? You know what I mean? So doesn't this strike you as weird? It struck me as weird. Anyone else? Right? It's okay. We can be honest here. We're Christians. Don't lie in church. But we have to look at the context that this is spoken in. See, the verse previous to this says that, that we were created in God's image. So when it, when it comes to ruling and subduing, we're supposed to do it like he does. Because we are created in his image. Does that logically follow? You know, tracking with me. All right. So when we think about rule, how does God rule his creation so far in the story? What does God do? Well, when God is ruling over the earth, he's creating places for life to flourish. He's creating places where other things beside himself can live. He created skies for birds, seas for fish, and land for man and animals. Do you see that? And that's him ruling. And then subduing. In verse 3, he subdues the darkness and the chaos of the world. And he brings in beauty and order. So part of the blessing, part of God's generosity for us, is for us to rule like he rules by making space for others than ourselves to flourish and by turning chaos into beauty. You tracking? There's a lot there we can go into later if you want. But then let's talk about that first part, the be fruitful and increase in number, right? So initially when I read this, I thought God was repeating himself. You know, like maybe, maybe like be fruitful and increase in number, right? But I think, I don't think he's actually repeating himself. I think he, he's giving us two separate commands here. Be fruitful and, while you're at it, increase in number, right? And here's why I think this is because when we look at the word fruitful in the Bible, it's associated with humanity and trees, Right? And there's this whole big thing in the Bible about people being associated with trees. If you want to do a deep dive on that, go at it, Bible nerds. I believe in you, okay? We can talk about it later because it's a lot of fun, right? But I'm not going to bore you right now. But I will use some folksy kind of imagery to help you understand what I mean, okay? Is that fair? Right? So at my house, I have some fruit trees. And I have like a ton of pecan trees, okay? I also happen to have the fattest squirrels on the block, Right? So I have like a dozen pecan trees. I have two big old peach trees in my front yard. And in my backyard, I have an apricot tree, right? I got so many apricots. Like 
I mean, it was like 50, 60 pounds of apricots. It was stupid, right? I, I had a whole bag, like a whole like trash bag full of them that I forgot about. There were so many of them. Like, isn't that ridiculous, right? And so we have a ton of apricots. We, get a, we would have a lot of peaches, but um, the squirrels always beat us to them, right? And then I have pecans. You know, like my yard is about 80% pecan shells, right? And the crazy thing is, like, is that the fruit of these trees, right, whether it be the pecans or the apricots or the peaches, the fruit of these trees, like, they're actually a blessing to the environment around them. The actual fruit doesn't really help the tree out at all. Have you thought about this? It doesn't really help the tree out at all. The only way the fruit helps is if something else grabs it and takes it somewhere else. Does that make sense? So the squirrel thinking it, you know, hit the jackpot and stuffing its face with pecans and then running over and digging a hole and burying the pecans somewhere else, right? Sure, he's getting a meal out of the deal, but also he's helping plant a new pecan tree. And in fact, I find baby little pecan sprouts all over my house in the weirdest spots, right? Like flower beds, bushes, whatever. They're all over the place. And so these pecan trees, the peach trees, the apricot trees, they're, they're being fruitful. And because their fruit is a blessing to the world around them, they're increasing in number. Do you see that? So when your fruitfulness has become a blessing to the world around, then the increase in number comes. Does that make sense? And so this takes us back to our original text. We're finally at point number one. You're welcome. I'm just kidding. That's not true at all. In the second verse of Genesis 12, God's speaking to Abram or Abraham. They're the same person. He gets a name change because he levels up. It's kind of like Pikachu becomes something else later, I think, is how it worked. I don't know. But he's, God's speaking to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Abraham was blessed by God so that he could be a blessing to others. God was generous with Abraham so that he would be generous with others. You see, we are meant to be avenues through which God blesses the world. We are meant to be vessels to demonstrate to the world God's generosity. We're meant to be the solution to the distribution problem. But too often we find humanity is a lot like the Dead Sea and Stuff flows in, but it never flows out. So God will restrain his generosity so that we don't turn into the awful child from Willy Wonka. Right? And I think it's very fitting and no mistake that in the story, she ends up sliding down a garbage chute because she's kind of a trash person. (laughs) 
So when you're reading Abraham, the promise to Abraham, God's promise to Abraham, when you read this, you're supposed to recall the blessings that were pronounced at the beginning of Genesis. So how does Abraham be a blessing to the world? By being fruitful, benefiting the world around him. By ruling like God would rule. That means taking on God's character, living like Jesus lived, obeying God's commands. And he's a blessing to the world by subduing the earth, by bringing beauty in order to what once was chaos. Then Abraham would increase in number. What does this increase in number thing mean? It means that we make more people that are blessings to the world around them, that live like Jesus lived, and bring beauty where there was once chaos. Do you see that? That's what the increase in number thing is about. When you live like this, when you are a benefit to the world around you, when you're fruitful, when you live like Jesus lived, then what you're doing is subduing the earth and you're bringing beauty where there was once chaos. Now, I know not everyone in here may walk with Jesus, but those of you that do, you know that your life was once chaos. And then God stepped in and he brought beauty out of there. He spoke light into that darkness, didn't he? Do you see? The generosity of God requires that you do the same for others. Because you're meant to be a vessel. You're meant to be an avenue of blessing. You're not meant to be the Dead Sea. I mean, and it's also the witness of Scripture. You can read further along in the story here because the narrative really does start in chapter 12 here. You can read that when the inheritors of Abraham's blessing failed to live up to that blessing, they became like the Dead Sea, right? And God removed his generosity from him because he refused to be an enabler. And I I think that's why we see so many Christians that look miserable because they're constipated, they're stopped up. They're like the Dead Sea, The waters of their heart are just getting saltier and saltier and everything's dying. But it's only when we are generous, like our Father in heaven is generous, that's when life springs up. Is this too heavy? Is this? Okay. So, Scroggins, what does this practically mean? That's a lot of esoteric and weird philosophical crap. But how do we put the rubber to the road? Well, we have to start living like God asked us to. I'll say this, you will not discover the generosity of God in his heart, character, and gifts until you begin to be generous to others with your heart, your character, and your gifts. So if you feel a lack in your life of God's presence, it's because you're not letting other people into your presence. 
See, Jesus says this. He says, the measure by which you measure shall be measured to you. Right? The way that you act, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So this means that God is to you what you are to your fellow man. So God is friends with those who are generous with their friendship. God is faithful to those that are generous with their faithfulness. God is loving to those that are generous with their love. God purifies and makes holy those that seek to purify and make others holy. God is merciful to those that are generous with their mercy. God judges those that are judgmental. You ever think about that? He could be generous with his judgment. And God blesses those that are a blessing to those around them. So, are you being fruitful? Are you being a benefit to the world around you? Are you ruling like God would rule? Are you walking in his ways? Are you living like Jesus? And are you subduing the earth? Are you bringing beauty in order to where there was once chaos? Or are you the Dead Sea? God's generosity flows into your heart and never goes anywhere. And you bring chaos where there used to be beauty. So the worship team can come back up. So I want to leave us here. As we gaze upon the generosity of God and what it means for us, I want to challenge us. Right? When you receive new light and new information, sometimes you've got to adjust the way that you live. Amen? When I turned four and realized that I wasn't Superman, I quit jumping off the top bunk. So practically speaking, I challenge you to live life on mission like Madison talked about last week. Live life on mission. God has given you a purpose. That's to further his kingdom on the earth, right? God has given you a purpose to win the lost lambs of God back to him. God has given you a purpose to be his hands and feet on this campus. And what a generous purpose that is. So I challenge you to be that. Can you be a blessing and a benefit to those around you? Can you live in such a way that people would say they live like Jesus? Are you willing to love someone and pour your life into theirs in the hope that the chaos that is their life can be changed into the beauty of life when you follow Jesus. You see that? I just think I just think that's amazing. Can you be generous in giving your heart to your small group? Some of you are are plugged into small groups and you're going faithfully 
but you, you haven't opened up yet because you're scared or whatever. But God generously opened up his heart to you so that you would open up your heart to others. And if you get hurt, then guess what? You have a chance to generously forgive. And then God will generously forgive you. That doesn't sound so bad, does it? You're going to cry a few tears, maybe. And then when you get to heaven, God's going to go, boy. Here's a mansion. Worth it. Can you be generous in giving your Christ-like character to the campus? Can you be a blessing to the campus? Can you be a blessing to people around you? Your coworkers? Your dorm roommate that leaves his shoes everywhere? And then finally, this is, this is the big one. This is the one I love to challenge people on. In about a month, we are going to have some of my heroes come and visit us. So if you're new here, the week before Thanksgiving, every year, we invite missionaries from all over the globe to come and spend time with us. So this year, we have missionaries that are coming. And we'll announce them and they'll send videos and all that. But we have one couple that is literally flying in from Zagreb, Croatia to spend time with you. Does that cook anybody else's noodle? I mean, come on. You don't even know where Zagreb, Croatia is. It's pretty though. Right? They're flying halfway, 5,000 miles, people, to come to San Angelo, Texas. Right? They'll probably eat at Rosa's they'll be slightly disappointed just like we all are like, how was Rosa's oh, it was good they're flying all that way to have a meal at Rosa's to be slightly disappointed because they want to talk to you they want to talk to you about bringing beauty into a country where it's largely dominated by chaos you see if maybe maybe you'll plant your roots down in a foreign country where there's not a whole lot of fruit of Jesus. And we got people from Chile, people in Belgium, and people in the marketplace, and they're all going to come and spend time with you. Isn't that cool? Look how generous God is. He's sending us some of his best just to spend time with you. That's a pretty big deal. And I believe that God's going to call some of y'all into the mission field. But here's the other side of that. God has generously blessed you. You know how I know that? You have more than one pair of shoes. If you ate food today and there's still food left over in your fridge or in your pantry, you are richer than 80% of the world. So another thing that we do during Missions Week is we take up an offering. Okay? We take up an offering. Last year, we gave over $5,000. And I believe that we can do that again. And what that breaks down to is if every single one of us 
that's here tonight or attends small group, if every single one of us can give just $50, we will give over $5,000 to missions. Every penny of that goes to missions and missionaries. Like, I, I joke and kid, I'm actually not going to buy a boat with that, okay? Every penny of that goes to the missionaries. God's been generous to you. Let's not be the Dead Sea. Right? And I'll, I've even broken it down practically. We have about a month, okay, before they come. Okay, so that's four weeks. That's $12.25 a week. Can you save $12.25 a week? Just set it aside. You know? Don't go to Whataburger one time a week and you've made it because they're expensive now. You know? Avoid Fuzzy's Tacos. That place is trash anyway. And just save the $12.25. Heck, you can even make it something like super spiritual for yourself, right? You can go home, light a candle, eat a PB&J, and just be like, is this for you, Jesus? I could be having Whataburger right now. But I'm setting this aside. Four times. That's, can you do that four times between now and then? And then? And then we get to be generous, just like our Father in Heaven is generous to us. And we get to give somebody halfway around the globe a chance to hear the gospel for the first time. We get to, to bring order where there's chaos. We get to show love where there is no love. We get to send somebody in our stead to be hands and feet across the globe, just like your Jesus' hands and feet on this campus. That's pretty legit, right? So that's my challenge. There's lots of areas in your life where you can be more generous. So we're going to sing a couple of songs. And what's important here is, is not that we all stand up and start singing, clapping our hands and stuff. What's important is that we enter into an atmosphere of worship and ask God to speak. Right? Lord's going to challenge some of y'all. Some of y'all are like, there's no way I can give 50 bucks. But you can. Some of you, the Lord's going to be like, 50 bucks is cheap. Because your uncle's Jeff Bezos or something. Who knows, Right? And some of you, the Lord's going to say, not only do you need to give to that missions offering that they're going to take up in a month, but also you need to give more of yourself to your small group. You need to give more of yourself to that person that sits next to you in class every day that doesn't know Jesus and you know it. Yeah? So as we enter into this time of worship, let's use this as time to have space in our life for the Lord to generously speak to our hearts. Amen? So I'll pray.